Good day to you. Welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, Excuse the background noise. I am out driving again today to work in the pouring rain, so you might hear a little bit of rustling in the background. Um, Sorry about that. Glad to have you along wherever you are today in the world. Where are you? What are you doing? What What are the conditions of of your household. If we could draw out a a chart right now, where is the vitality of your spiritual life? Are you stirred? Are you laboring to things that are presently unseen? Are you maturing? Are you dying to your own will and embracing the will of the Father for your life, for your household? For your region, for your nation, for humanity. Are we interceding for humanity? Are we praying for the church? The global corporate church, the extension of the Messiah in the here and now. Friends, there's much to tend to. I hope that you are a set-apart, distinct one, leaning into what the Spirit is saying in the hour. Well, what is the hour? Well, this hour specifically today is the day on the calendar that Yeshua ascended. He ascended. Like today, man, that's crazy to think about. So many years ago, ascended, left the earth. Mere days away from the prophesied pouring out of this Holy Spirit, the promise, being clothed from on high with power, something that men at that time didn't really know what in the world this promise was, had the anticipation, had the expectation, the willingness to tarry, the, the, the spiritual maturity, the, I don't know, just the, the spiritual I don't know, man. They, they were set. <laughs> the ones who did remain. Thousands of people were there at the time when Pentecost rolled into town. We don't, we're not going to get into all of that today. That's going to be for a future episode, of course. But they were about to begin tarrying, waiting for the promise. Yeshua was, was leaving this natural earth. He had accomplished every single thing, fulfilled Moving out, leaving the natural realm. So we're going to talk about that for a couple minutes and primarily two points that I just want to make um, within this event. Just two quick points. This is going to be short. The first one being the, the, the mindset of the Messiah. What was he thinking about? What was he doing? What was on his mind when he was about to exit this earth and return to his heavenly abode beside the Father, reunited with the Father? Man, we don't even understand what that means. We don't even understand. We know in tiny increment, very small measure, of course, what he, excuse me, what he left, what he abandoned to become man. We know a little bit. Oh, gosh, we have no idea. Our imaginations 
even alongside what we're told in the Scripture, can't even touch the high and lofty preeminent throne that the Christ left to come down to be the God-man. We have no idea. Let's just be honest. I don't care how smart you are, how much you've studied, what you've read, what you've listened to. We have no idea the awesome fullness of what the God-man left to become humanity. It's incredible. I can't even... I can't even... I'm pretty imaginative. I don't even feel like I can scratch the surface of the surface on that one. So the first thing I want to talk about, what was on the mind of the Messiah? And number two, what was the challenge, I guess, from Yeshua to his disciples, to those who were following him, to those who were about to receive instruction about the waiting, the tarrying, the expecting of the promise to come. So what was Messiah's posture? And then what was the challenge from him, (coughs) excuse me, from him to his followers, to those who would walk as he walked, which of course, again, if you meet the criteria that we're not going to go into, that should be you. (laughs) That may be you. That should be us. Walking in like manner as the sun. We now are the image of the invisible. We are the imagers of the Messiah. We are now his flesh and bone. God incarnate, Emmanuel, right? You do understand that. (laughs) The Christ man. The regenerated man. And so, first and foremost, let's just talk about this for the moment. Let's talk about our side. Let's talk about our part. Because Yeshua made it very clear. He, he told his disciples, guess what? I'm about to leave. And you need to be something upon my leaving. Witnesses. Witnesses. You will go out and you'll be my witnesses. Not my evangelists, not my teachers, not my pastors, not my preachers. Not my prophets, not my bishops, not my priests, not my missionaries. You will be witnesses. Ones who have what? I don't have a Bible in front of me and and my strongs and all these things, but what is a witness? Let's just be simple. A witness is one who sees something beholds something, encounters something or someone. I know him. I saw him. I have seen the Messiah. Friends, for those who were there, the few who got to see this event, I watched him go. (laughs) Go out and be my witnesses. Be the ones who tell about what you've seen, what you've heard in me. We talk about that all the time here on this program. What? Those who in the end of the age keep the commands of God, 
are sprinkled with the blood of the Lamb, dripping, and have the word of their testimony. Witnesses! If you've been in the midst of Yeshua, you are covered in His blood. If you've been in that intimate living sacrifice place, you are covered in the blood. That hilasterian covering that we talk about all the time here. That Yeshua Messiah became the covering, the mercy seat, covered in blood on your behalf so that you can be received. So that you can enter in to the holy place by the blood of the slain lamb, which gives you what? A testimony. You have been a witness. I have seen the king. Shaul on the road, blinded, struck down to his knees, blind, could no longer see as he had seen his whole life. Why? The witness. The witness of the Messiah changes a man. If we respond in humility. I'm reminded in here and now of a message I heard, man, 15 years ago. Eloquent, eloquently put that, you know, modern day Christianity just says, well, if we just show men Jesus... If they can just see Jesus, they'll come to him. Well, you know, really that's not true. <laughs> it's not that simple. Many a man has encountered the Messiah in their heart throughout the scriptures. And you have you have the option, if you will, to harden your heart. To hate what you see. Because when you see the Messiah you will see yourself. Why? He is light. He's perfection. And when you're in the presence of perfection, your imperfection is made clear. When you are in the presence of the perfect spotless lamb, your blemishes are easily identified. Revealed. Right? So, it's not just as simple as seeing, witnessing the king. We must, we must be ones who encounter him and respond in humility. That's the whole contrite heart teaching of the scriptures. That's the dust and ashes reality. That's the sackcloth and ashes on the ground before the master, repenting and turning and crying out for mercy, knowing our place. The presence of the king should drive us to our knees. Witnesses, we have seen him. I have tasted, I have seen. I have partaken in the blood. I have partaken of the of the bread, the body, the wine. I know him. I've encountered him. I have been a witness. But here's the thing, right? Here's the pattern with the disciples that we must acknowledge is in all of us as well. 
is the two men who are there at the Ascension. What are y'all doing? (laughs) Why are y'all just standing here staring at the sky? He's gone. Sound familiar? It's the story of resurrection. Why are you searching for him? He's no longer here. Listen, friends, we need reminded of the truth. We need reminded. I'm telling you right here now, I started teaching on this, goodness, eight eight or ten years ago about how the church needs to move away from the cross. And right there, that may check in your spirit and be like, oh boy, blasphemy, blasphemy. But I'm telling you, we were never meant to build a house at the foot of the cross. It's not scriptural. From my vantage point, from my understanding, from my interpretation of the calling upon my life, Yeshua didn't stay there. He didn't stay on the cross. The cross was a necessary sacrificial death, an atonement, a spilling of blood, a pleasing sacrifice where the Father could look upon the Son even though in the pain and in the grieving He had to look away because of the sin that was cast upon Him that He willingly took on and endured on our behalf It purchased all of humanity that would climb up into the cross into the side of Yeshua Messiah and die likewise. Abased. Humiliated. A pleasing aroma to the Father. But we don't stay there, folks. We don't stay there. That is only a component of the whole. It is only the vehicle to move us into life. Yeshua descended, came out victorious, keys to death and hell, raised to newness of life. Which brings us to where we are right now, to the ascension moment that we see in Acts 1 at the end of Luke, where he's hanging out with his disciples, which leads me to my second point. And as I read that, This morning with my son, I was just so, I just read it again and again. I'm like, Noah, this is incredible, son. This is incredible. Who is this king? I mean, doesn't that just really paint a picture of what the the authors of the scriptures wrote when they were thinking about things like, who is this king of glory? Who is this This king clothed in majesty and splendor who is like him, right? All the encounters that men had with him who is this man? He was marked. He was distinct. He was a high and lofty king. And so the second point just just wanting to talk briefly about Yeshua's posture, what he was thinking in the last moments of his time on earth, and not not his moments as a mere man, of course, not just flesh and blood as we know, because he 
He was not merely as he was pre-crucifixion. We don't have time to get into all the glorified body and like, why in the world was he eating fish? Hey, oh man, I'm kind of hungry. Does anybody have anything to eat? What's that all about? And even in, and as I say that, I think about how for so long I've just been saying to the church at large, I think it would do the church, I think it would do them very well to realize our goal is not to simply model ourselves after the natural man, Jesus. The goal of our life is not merely to be like natural man Jesus in the sense of this social justice movement. Well, we just need to right all wrongs. We just need to turn over the tables of the temple and call out bad people and religious people, be real, you know, almost hippie-esque is what a lot of people really see Jesus as. Just this easygoing dude who just, you know, just love everyone. You know, that's not the fullness of what we're invited into. Now, there are components within that that are right. But we're not here just to be, well, what would Jesus do? Well, he would sit with the children and talk. Well, yes, he would, but that's not like our life's trajectory. And so what I'm saying, I guess, to be more specific is the fact that You know, we are to climb up into the side of Yeshua and die. We are to walk as he walked. Yes and amen. I've been studying that for two or three months now. We are to walk. Halak. We are to walk as he walked. Set apart, distinct, holy, marked. Absolutely, yes, amen. Hands down, sure thing, yes. We are to be as He. But He didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. He conquered death and hell in the grave. He resurrected, which says, if the Scripture tells us clearly, that if we join in with His death, if we align ourselves with His death... If we're found in the likeness of his death, we will also likewise be in the likeness of his resurrection. Again, a furthering of our identity. We are called to be in the full pattern of Yeshua Messiah. The resurrected king. So there's more for us, right? Is there not? There's something more than just being... What would Jesus do, men? There's more to the fullness of being a kingdom of priests, citizens of heaven, purchased by the king, (laughs) the king who sits upon the throne of this kingdom that we are now called to be citizens of. But what was Yeshua doing? Again, Mere moments before he leaves and exits this earth for the final time in that condition, in that way. He's thinking about his disciples. 
That's what struck me this morning in my time with my son, with our teaching time. As Yeshua was blessing them, he withdrew and he was carried up into heaven. And when I read that in Luke chapter 24, verse 51 this morning with my son, I just paused. And I read it several times. Because it just struck me, I could not believe what I was reading. And I've read it before, of course. We know these things. That's the awesome reality of the living word. It's always stirring in us. And no matter what season we're in, the facets of the word of God. It's alive, it's living, it's active. But I just stopped and thought about and tried to explain to my son that even at the very end, Yeshua is about to go up into heaven and be seated alongside his Father, reunited with the Father. Incredible to even think about. Even then, Yeshua's mind and actions and words out of his mouth words now, spoken out of his mouth, was blessing his followers. I just stopped and I'm like, are you kidding me? It's incredible. Yeshua's about to just completely wrap up and put a bow on his entire earthly ministry in this age, in this epoch of time, And he's blessing his disciples? Are you kidding me? His hand is likely upon them. His mouth is speaking words of life and blessing. Holy cow, incredible! Who is this king of glory? What is he doing? Blessing me in this moment, in this hour. Think of us, right? Like being be in Yeshua's shoes for a moment. Oh man, how I am so tired of being with y'all. Oh, I'm so tired of being here. I'd be looking up at heaven. Father, please hurry up, get me out of here. Man, this goes right to what I've been talking about, this rapturitis mentality that has infiltrated the church. That Paul addressed when he was talking to the Philippian church, I believe is in chapter one of Philippians. And he's saying, you know what, he was having, this is the last episode, I believe, when he's on this fence torn between two different options, if you will. Man, I want to be with my king. I want to be where he is. Isn't that much greater? Oh gosh, it's so much greater. What's greater than that? But if I'm with him, I'm not here with you in bodily form, and, and it would cost you. It would be to your detriment. So hey, Yes and amen, I will remain with the brethren. Why? Because it's better for you. See, Paul understood, Shaul understood the principle of the Messiah. It's better for me to remain here with you for now, for the right season, for the appropriate time, and give myself to you, for you on your behalf. Remain. And of course, Yeshua got to the point, what did he do? He fulfilled everything he had been commissioned to do. 
the perfect suffering servant, learning obedience through the things he himself suffered as the God-man. And what did he say? He got to the point where he said, hey, now it's better that I go. It's better that I leave you. It's better that I get out of here and I ascend to my Father so that you can be clothed with power from on high. I've got to leave first. I've got to go. You know what? I'm having a thought right now. How? Try this on. I'm not sure the fullness of the Holy Spirit could have come in the way it did at Pentecost alongside Yeshua and Messiah being on the earth because I don't think the earth could contain them. I'm not sure the natural earth could contain them. Now we could get into like, you know, the, the Godhead principles and like Trinitarian thoughts and like, well, they couldn't be. They have to be separate and all these things. I'm not talking about that. We're not talking about doctrinal positions in this moment. I'm just talking about trying to wrap our brains around the immensity of Yahweh God and the expressions of himself on the earth. I'm not sure the earth could contain it. It's better that I go because when I go, the promise is coming. So he says, as he's blessing his disciples, he says blessings to them. He departs and he goes. The two witnesses come. What do they do? The two men, they're talking about being witnesses, which we've already, of course, just talked about. But they say, hey, guess what? He's not here. Y'all go on, get out of here. Just like the garden, um, just like the, the, the tomb. He's not here, y'all. He's gone. Go on, move on, get to the next part. I believe that would be good for us as well to add to our lives. Hey, move on. It might be necessary for you to move on to the next. Yeshua is not in this right here, right now. Something else is promised that's coming. Go, Terry. Wait. Not just waiting, man. We've talked about this for years, too. We're not talking about sitting with our hands folded, waiting as we yawn. All these things are all connected, man. That's the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. You can't even stay up alert and awake with me for an evening, for an hour. Tarry and wait with anticipation. In unity, in one accord, in one mind. And again, as I say, because it's worth mentioning, what have we been talking about? I'm fully convinced they were counting the Omer. I'm fully convinced that was one of, if not the primary component, that they had a unified endeavor to be together for. They were counting. They were counting the days from Passover to Shavuot. Something's coming. The promise is coming. We have to wait. We have to anticipate what's coming. Something great is coming, just as Yeshua promised. So how incredible that Yeshua Messiah is blessing his disciples at his final hours on the earth. Incredible. He's relentlessly pouring himself out for humanity. And guess what? This is what struck me this morning and will bring this to a close. That's what he's still doing yet today. As the mediator Messiah. What in the world is he doing, y'all? Do you think about that? 
Yeshua Messiah today is interceding for you in front of the Father. Oh, Father, I know their condition. I know the frailty of humanity. I remember. Go back and find that message about the mediator Messiah. Please go find that if you've not listened to that message. That message changed my life. I don't know when it was. It was late winter. Go through the archives and dig it out. Maybe I'll try to find a link. About the awesome reality of the mediator Messiah. Still in measure, the suffering servant denying himself, denying his own will, even as the king, to intercede for you and me? Incredible. He could be doing anything he pleases, and rightly so, and he chooses to approach the Father on your behalf. (laughs) Incredible. His thoughts are towards us. And we have been his witnesses. Friends, how in the world can we be silent? How can we be silent if we have been his witnesses? If we have grasped on any level (laughs) the incredible extent of the blessing of Yeshua the King towards his people, towards his followers. What an incredible king. Who is like our king? Who is like him? There's none above him. There's none beside him. There's no ruler, principality, king of the earth who can get anywhere near him. He reigns supreme. He is the preeminent one. Seated high and lofty. Rightly exalted. Seated upon every single thing. Yet, yet he blesses you. He's the mediator for you. It's incredible. And we get to know this king. Man, this is final closing. In the men's meeting I had on Tuesday, I just, I love it when this just kind of stirs in my spirit, like the Mephibosheth reality, the, the parables about the invitation to come and sit at the master's table, the wedding feast, The invitation to come to the king's table and be seated there. Oh man, if that doesn't just arrest us and send us to our knees in humility to say, Oh God, who are you? Who are you, oh great king? That you would invite me to your table. Praise you. Glorify you. Magnify your name. Be glorified in me. Be magnified. Be exalted, oh great king. Why? because of the invitation to sit at your table, to know you. Friend, do you know him like that? Do you know the Messiah? Because the invitation goes out. We know the parables. And this goes right back to where we started. The invitation goes out. And when you look upon the king, what will you do? Will you be that arrogant one in the parable who said, you know what, hey, I don't need your requirements to be here. I'm sitting in the high and lofty chair. Move over. And the king walks up to your face and he says, who do you think you are? In summary, who do you think you are? 
waltzing in here and sit at my table taking the best seat and you won't put the garment on, get out. Get out. And you go. You have no argument. You have no rights. You have no nothing. You have nothing to stand on. God opposes the proud. He vehemently is against the proud, y'all. He's not just like kind of against you. Yeah, you just can't hang out close with me if you're proud. The scripture says he is vehemently opposing the proud. And he's near to the lowly. He's near to the broken, contrite ones. Those get to stay at the master's table. You had better check your heart now. Why? Because your days are numbered. Our days are numbered. If not physically in the natural, according to our natural bodies and the curse that's upon them, it's appointed for us to die because the culmination of the ages is fast approaching. In the age of grace, y'all, the door's creaking closed. If you don't hear it, then your ears aren't listening. Get your life right now. Get your heart right. And I'm not saying this to just the world. Hey, Christian, get your heart right. Be on your face before the king and say, Who are you, O great king? Who is like our king? Search me, know me, try me. Remove these wicked ways in me, O God. I present them to you here and now while I can. There's hope for us. There's hope for us found in this mediator Messiah. We are called to be his witnesses. And he himself has poured himself out like a drink offering, emptied himself for you and for me. It's a beautiful exchange. Worthy of our everything. Go to pathdesign.com. Check us out online. Like us on Facebook. YouTube videos. We might, we might make a new video sometime soon. Share these podcasts, won't you? Help us out. Reach out by, by uh, email. Podcast at gmail.com. Help us out. Join with us. Partner with us. Please pray for us. I pray for you if you're in the body of Christ, and I pray for you if you're not, that you would come in. It's time for us to move. It's time for us to mature. It's time for us to be changed. Amen.